So today we're going to talk about temptation. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up. James is in the back of the Bible, one of the last uh, portions uh, in your Bible as it's divided up by books, we call them. And so James is the brother of Jesus who wrote this book, and he is the leader or one of the main leaders of the church as it got started in Jerusalem. And so uh, as a result, he gives uh, this discourse, he gives this charge, and helps us to have a real faith. I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in a fake faith. How about you? I'm not interested. I don't have enough time for that, right? I I don't have enough time to spend time with a fake faith. Uh, I need a functional faith. I need a faith that works when the pressure is on, when difficulties arise, when challenges come my way. I need a faith I can hold on to. I need a faith that will work in the midst of the storms of life. I need an anchor through the power of faith that holds on to the Almighty God in a way like nothing else. How many are with me on that? You need a faith like that in your life. So James tells us what it means to be rooted in God, and in James chapter 1, we'll look at that in just a moment, but in the midst of life, I don't know that there's anything, and I just feel for people, I was telling the folks that were praying with me before service today, that there's just nothing like being trapped and being in a temptation that you can't seem to break hold of and, and can't seem to get free of. And I don't know what that might be in your life. For some people, it's overeating. You know, they just can't seem to, to break uh, that chain. Other people, perhaps it's, it's lying. They just have a hard time. They just so easily slip over into telling things that aren't true. Uh, for other people, it may be gambling. It may be misuse of alcohol. It could be sexual uh, attractions and, and things of that nature. It could be social media that has gotten a hold of you and you can't hardly go a few minutes without checking in on social media and you let it dictate your life and tell you whether you're an important person or not and, and by the way you get likes or whatever each day, that's how your day goes. Uh, there's just a lot of things, isn't there, that can come into our lives. So let me ask you, What's your biggest temptation? What is the thing that you struggle with the most? And let me help some of you that maybe aren't Christians or maybe you professed Christ at a young age in a church somewhere, maybe even got baptized, perhaps became a member or something, or a quasi-member as a young person in a church, but later you walked away because... Maybe you thought if you became a Christian, you wouldn't be tempted. Maybe there's some of you who think, well, you know, if I'm really a Christian, if I'm really walking with Christ, then I shouldn't be tempted. But being a Christian does not mean you won't be tempted. As a matter of fact, Jesus, the Bible says, was tempted in every way like we are, 
In every way, he was tempted like we are, and yet was without sin. And because he overcame, we can overcome. Now, uh, we may not be tempted in every way that every other person is, but all of us are tempted in some way, shape, or form. And so what it does mean is we have an option as a Christian. We have an option of winning over temptation. That option now becomes available, and we'll read this scripture in a little bit. It's all I can do not to go to it right now. That, that any temptation that comes to you is common to man, but God will make a way of escape in it. He will always make a way out. So for the Christian, for the believer, for the Christ follower, the person who's trying to follow after God, that means that you have an ace in the hole, right? You, you have something. You have a secret weapon. There is a secret passage. There's a door somewhere in the room where you can get out. There's a way for you to escape. How many are glad for that today? Huh? Can Five of you? Okay, that's, that's awesome. All right. Hopefully everybody will be excited about that. But you know, it's the option of winning. And there, there's just something about winning victory too that's motivating, that's powerful. There, there's something about overcoming a struggle in your life. Maybe some of you, you used to drink too much. And, and it was an issue, it was a problem, and maybe you didn't recognize it, maybe everybody else recognized it first, and then finally you, you got to where you admitted it, and you came around, and, and here's what happens is once you have victory over it, all of a sudden it's empowering, isn't it? Maybe you had a pornography issue and, and you couldn't have devices around you. You couldn't have screens around you because it was just too easy to click over there. It was just too easy to slip over into that stuff. But somewhere along the way, you recognize that this is an issue. This is a problem. This is causing dysfunction in my life. It's causing a lack of true intimacy in my life. And so, therefore, I'm not going to do this anymore. And somehow, through the power of God, you got victory over it. And now, you're, it's almost like it's dead to you. And, and so, as a result, isn't that empowering? You know, I, I mean, you feel empowered. It's like if the Colts this year, you know, if in February they said, hey, we took a vote and we've decided the Super Bowl winner, we're not even going to have a Super Bowl, we're just going to declare the Super Bowl winner of this year are the Indianapolis Colts. Now, you think that would be great, but ask the team. Ask the team. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to put effort in. And you get the trophy. And ask them if they would accept it. No way. No way. They're not going to get talked about that that's the one team. Remember that year where they didn't even have to win to get it? Remember that year when they just got elected and got it? You know, the Colts, yeah, well, that really doesn't count. Right? But when you... Get in there and practice and, and grind it out 
and when you sweat and when you work hard and you memorize plays and not only your plays but you memorize their plays so that you can play against them and in the end one team rises one team moves forward one team moves ahead and one team is better than everybody else and they hand you the trophy how many know that's something special Right? There's something special about that. And that's what I want you to feel. That's the feeling I want you to have. I want you to have the feel of what it feels like to have once been bound, to have once been incarcerated, to have once been trapped, to have once had a hold in your life that you couldn't seem to shake, couldn't seem to break, and nothing you took, no one you talked to, nothing else could help, but in the midst of that, you cried out to God, and maybe on this Sunday, August 16th of 2017, you stepped forward maybe at the end of this service. I don't know when it might happen, but today could be the day that God sets you free, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And I believe in the power of God's freedom. So let's talk about it. Uh, the victory that we can have over temptation. I'm about to get excited, all right? And a few of you might get excited with me, and that's okay. All right. Let's, first of all, if you're following along in your notes, consider the source, okay? If you're going to have victory over temptation, James says the first thing to do is you've got to get a perspective. On temptation. How many of you have ever had a wrong perspective? You, know, you, you ever thought something and then it, well, you found out, well, that isn't even right. That's not even true. And, and some people think that God leads them into temptation. The Bible says God leads us into testings, tests our faith, you know, testing situations. How many are glad that they don't just hand out driver's license? Huh? How many glad there's a test, right? Oh, my goodness. How many wish there were more tests maybe along the way? And you could even tell who goes. You, you, need, to go. you need to go take another test, you know. That wasn't even right, what you did there on that corner, you know. And, and so, uh, you know, there are, there are tests that you've got to take to show that you're ready. You don't just walk in there and they say, oh, how old are you? Oh, I'm 16 or, what is it, 16 and a half or something like that now. And, and oh, well, here's your driver's license. No, they don't do that. Because there's certain rules of the road, right? There, there are certain things you need to know before you get out there. And God allows us to go through times of testing so that we can prove ourselves. So that we're roadworthy, right? So that we're worthy to be able to sustain the calling that God has for our lives. But James tells us in verse 13, take a look at this, that God is never the source of temptation. When tempted, he says, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So it's absolutely ludicrous. It's, it's not right 
for us to blame God. Now, how many know that God's an easy target for many people? You know, to say, well, God did this. And I don't know, God's mad at me, I guess, for something. And, and, and they have a feeling that there are people, and there may be people in this room today, who feel like God's out to get you. And I want to assure you that it's so not our God. In the Old Testament, there was a lady by the name of Naomi. Now, Naomi, and we've studied her before, she was the mother of two sons who married two ladies, and one of them was Ruth, and they moved to a foreign country. They didn't really pray about it. They just did it. And then once they got over there, her husband died, and her two sons died. Now, how many know that's a rough life? That's rough. And here's what Naomi decided when she moved back home. She said, God, this is what she told people, don't even call me Naomi anymore. From now on, I've got a new name. I've got a new label. It's Mara. And Mara means bitter. So instead of choosing to get better in life through the difficulties and challenges, she chose to get bitter. But the good news for Naomi is she had a great, awesome daughter-in-law who did not choose bitterness in spite of losing her husband. In spite of that, she said, your people are going to be my people. Your people worship the one true God. My people don't. I'm going with you. And the Bible says favor began to come on her. And later, Naomi came around and said, I'm so blessed. I thought you were Mara. Uh, uh, well, I was confused, all right? I, I, I was confused because her daughter-in-law uh, married a billionaire. How many know that's a good day for the mother-in-law, right? How many know that? That's a good day when she marries the billionaire and the billionaire starts sending food home with, with her daughter-in-law. He starts saying, hey, don't let, tell your mother-in-law I'm going to take care of her and all. She's like, yeah, yeah, this is good. See, see, here's what happens is it's too easy for us to blame God. But here's what James further tells us in verse 16. Skip down to verse 16. Here's what he says. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every, everybody say every. Every. Now, do you know what every means? It means every. That's right. Yeah, this is a sharp crowd, all right? So every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting, shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be kind, the, a kind of first fruits of all he created. So God decided, he just decided. It wasn't up to you, it wasn't about how good you are and what you deserved or whatever, because you don't get what you deserve, and you better be praising God right now for that, that you don't get what you deserve in this life. If you got what you deserve, right straight to hell right you know the thoughts you've had before in your mind the things if we could put them up on the screen today you'd run out of this building 
of what you've done in your past and the thoughts that you've had and everything. God knows not only your actions, but he knows your thoughts. And the one who could penalize you the greatest is the one who offers you the most freedom and forgiveness and grace and mercy. How many are glad for grace and mercy today? Some of you, grace rewrote your life, right? You're not what you used to be. And so he says, every good gift comes down from God. Everything. Now, here's the thing. Here's what's interesting about people. People will blame God for the bad stuff and take credit for the good stuff. Isn't that crazy? It's like backwards. You know, and, and so the Bible says, no, 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 no. Uh, that, that's not quite how it works. You deserve the credit for all the bad stuff for the most part. And God deserves the credit for the good stuff. How many know today that if we could just take time to praise God for all he's done already in your life, we'd spend the rest of the day with our hands in the air and our voices raised in praise, honor, and glory to the great God who overlooks our faults and sees our need and comes with his grace and mercy and crowns us with everlasting kindness, the Bible says. Now, his mercies are new every, every morning. Now, other people, other people, okay, and these are probably the people who are raised in church. Uh, these people do this. The devil made me do it. Anybody remember Flip Wilson from the 70s, right? He made that one popular. The devil made me do it. You know, I, I, Mama, I, I didn't want to take those cookies off the shelf, you know. Well, you got cookie mess all over your mouth, you know. And she comes in the room, do you eat those cookies? No, no. Got crumbs all over, chocolate stain and everything. No, well, what is that arrangement? Well, the devil made me do it. Right? How many know it's easy to blame the devil as well? But James says, hey, hey, hey. Let's get to the real cause of most of your issues. Verse 14. You ready for this? Here's, here's what James says. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by what? Their own evil desire and enticed. In other words, if the devil didn't have anything to work with, he couldn't work with it. If, if you didn't already have a desire, if you didn't already have an ambition, if you didn't already have something that was construed in a wrong way, nobody could take advantage of that, James says. So the real issue is you need to own it. You need to own it. Now, Adam and Eve did this. You know, God says, hey, hey, you can eat of any tree in this garden. Any tree you want to, you can eat from it. But one. Isn't that amazing? Now, I don't know how many trees were there, but I can only imagine that it was incredible. It was just astronomical how many trees were there. And God says there's just, just one, and that one's mine. And the rest of them, you can have. 
Now, now that's kind of like tithing. You know, uh, tithing, God says, now you can have, I'm going to bless you. You're going to receive $100 this week. But, but $10 of that is mine. Now, you can have 90. You, you keep 90. I'm not asking for 90 to bring 90 back. I could. Or I could say 50-50. Or I could say 60-40. That way I get more than you do. But here's what our gracious, awesome, incredible, generous God says. He says, you go ahead and keep 90 of it. And you just bring me 10. And the tempter comes and says, God didn't really mean 10. He meant to act like 10. You know, God, I would love to give you 10, but you know I can only afford 5. Or God, you know, it's a stressful week this week and all, and so I'm, here's one, God, for you. And the tempter came along to Adam and Eve and says, hey, did God really say you couldn't eat of all the trees? That's not what God said. But they got, he was trying to get their focus on the one. And you know the rest of the story. You know how that's the one they wanted then. And sure enough, they ate of the tree. And then God comes down and says, hey, Adam, what's up? And Adam says, uh, nothing much, God. You know? <laughs> and uh, he says, well, why are you hiding then? What, what's that all about? Did you eat of the tree I told you not to eat from? The one. Did you eat from the one? Out of all these trees that you could have eaten from, did you eat from the one? And he says, well, that woman. <laughs> this is where it started, ladies. All right? This is where it, it went all the way back. Guys trying to blame their problems on their wives. And so he says, that woman you gave me, she, she told me to do it, and so I did it. God goes to the woman, and he says, Eve, what's up? What happened here? And she says, that snake you made, he told me that I could eat of it, and it would be okay. And God turned to the snake, and the snake didn't have a leg to stand on. All right. All right. So anyway, here's what happened. Everybody's trying to blame somebody for their problems. And James says, whoa, 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 whoa. And any good counseling, any good friend would tell you when you go trying to blame other people in your life for your issues and your problems, any good friend would say, whoa, man, hold on. What did you do? Wasn't that your decision? Wasn't that your choice, right? Some of you have got good friends like that, maybe in your life group, that speak to you that way. Here's the next thing. we got to move on. Realize the results. You need to realize the results of temptation. And James tells us, man, this is, this is huge. In verse 15, let's look, pull it up. 
Here's what he says. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Many of us don't think of the consequences first. Right? We think, oh, other people get pregnant when they have premarital sex. Not me. Other people get a disease if they do that or this, that, or that. Other people can't drive home if they have too many. Other people are... We don't think of the consequences. And James says, you better think of the consequences because they're real. They're real. The scripture shows this downward progression. And and see, just like testing can lead us to maturity, when we fall into temptation and indulge in desire, the Bible says it leads to death. And each process is slow. And that's what's dangerous about it. It's slow because we can get away with it and then we think it's okay. And that's the worst thing that could happen to you is for you to think, well, I, I got away with it. Let me walk you real quickly through the process of temptation. Pull it up for me. Here, here's kind of how it works. First of all, there's a thought. See, just like Adam and Eve, hey, here's a thought. Did God want you not to eat of all the trees? Well, there's a thought. And, and so then there's imagination. Well, the Bible says Eve thought, well, wouldn't that be good? It looks good. I think it could be good. And she began to imagine what it would be like to have some of that. And then there's justification. Well, other people are doing it. Or I don't think God would mind if I kept this or I did this. Or, you know, people aren't perfect. I'm not perfect We figure out ways, don't we? And some of us have our most creative moments right here. We get so creative right here in justifying. And then there's the choice, right? That's the point where we decide to do it. And then it's sin. Now, here's what you've got to do. You've got to pre-decide. You've got to pre-select. You don't wait till you're in the back seat of the car with her and half your clothes off to decide whether or not you're going to go all the way. You don't do that. You don't wait until you've had two drinks to decide whether or not you're going to be totally blasted. You don't wait until you've gone already too far to be able to pull back. You you don't do that. You pre-decide. And James walks us through how to do this. Here it is. Write down, resist the temptation. He says in verse 19, to resist the temptation. Go ahead and pull that up for us. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, And slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now, here's the thing. He just picks one. He could have picked a lot of different things. He could have picked lust. He he could have picked a lot of different things. But he picks anger. And he chooses anger. And he says, let's just use anger as an illustration. And he says, you know, you've got to decide that you're not going to give in to it. 
You, you can't say, well, I'm just an angry person. That's the reason why I do what I do. Well, that's not good enough. You can't say to the police officer that I just got angry in the car and that's why I was going 100 miles an hour. And he said, well, sure, I've been angry before. You know, just be careful out there. You know. <laughs> Is that the way that works out? No. He says, you, you need to resist it. You've got to watch your tongue. You've got to watch what comes out before it comes out. Not after. And then do you know, damage control. How much better if you don't say it at all? Anybody raise shout hallelujah? <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, isn't that true? I, I, I know there might be only five people here who have ever said something you wish. You could... You know, take back, hit the rewind button, you know, and not say that. But once it's out there, it's out there, James says. And, and so our sin, we've got to resist it. Why not eliminate it today and not fight it tomorrow? Proverbs 4, just real quick, pull that up for me. Uh, Proverbs 4 says, do not set, on the, set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Notice this. Avoid it. Everybody say that. Avoid it. You avoid. How do you, how do you avoid? How, how do you stay away from temptation? You avoid it. You, you just avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. Don't, don't go there. And you know, if, if you've got an issue with chips, okay, like you can't eat just one bag, you know. then probably you need to not even go down the chip aisle at the grocery. You know, you, you didn't go down that aisle. That, that aisle doesn't even exist to you, right? If you've got a problem with alcohol, then you don't even go in the bar. If you've got a problem with drugs, then you don't get around the people who sell the drugs to you. If you're having an affair or almost having an affair at work, you get a new job. All right? You, you quit that one. If you have an issue with a smartphone because you can't stay off of certain sites or whatever, then you need to get you a flip phone. And you say, well, that's a dumb phone. Well, you're acting dumb, all right? So... If you're going to act dumb, you need a dumb phone. And, and if, you, if you have an issue with M&Ms, you need to throw them away, right? And, and somebody else's trash where it gets away from you. Sin grows best in the dark. And James says in verse 27, he says, you've got to keep yourself from getting polluted by the world around you. In verse 21, he talks about you've got to get rid of it. You've got to get rid of it. You can't get around it. You've got to get it away from you and keep you away from it. Is that clear enough? Right? You, you just got to do it. And here's the last thing is do what you hear. All right? Do what you hear. Everybody say this. Just do it. 
Just do it. Right? You've heard that before. Just do it. Do what you hear. Here's what verse 22 says. Look at what James says about that. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. In other words, don't say, well, I went to Crossroads this Sunday, and oh my gosh, Pastor Craig, that was an awesome message about temptation. Oh, oh, oh James talked about temptation. Oh, oh it's awesome. And then you don't act on it. James says, that's not good enough. It's not good enough to come and hear the word. You've got to do what it says. In other words, you take notes and then you use the notes. You, you go to life group and you talk about what you heard Sunday with other people. And you say, man, I need you guys to hold me accountable. I need you guys to help me because I, I'm weak in this area and I, I need some strength. And you guys are my confidants. You are my padre. You are my, 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 my cadre. You are my, my friends. You're, you're my helpers. You're, you're, you're my tuned in people. I need you to help me apply this truth. Now, the good news is it can be applied. I heard about a study this week. Get this. They studied over 100,000 people. Now, that's incredible. And out of those over 100,000 people, here's what they said. That when they asked them about breaking bondages in their life and making changes in their life, what catapulted you? You know, what, what was it that, that caused you to be able to make change in your life. And here's what they said. They said, well, come next week, and I'll tell you about it. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I'll tell you today. All right, but that would have been good, wouldn't it? That would have been a great cliffhanger, you know. TV shows do that all the time, right? Okay, but here, here's what they said. Here's what they said. They said, when I began reading the Bible Four or more times a week, that's when I started to make change. That's when I started, do you hear that? In other words, they said, when I just went to church and heard it on Sunday, I didn't really experience great change. When I went to church on Sunday, and then I went to life group, and we talked about it, I still didn't experience Huge change. But when I went to church and heard it, and then I went to life group and talked about it, and then I pulled my notes out and read about it and read for myself through the week, and I got up to about four different days of the week, in other words, the majority of your week, then change began to happen. I hope you hear that today. See, when you begin to act on it, when you begin, what you feed grows. Doesn't it work that way in your garden? You know, if you feed the plant, it'll grow. If you starve the plant, it'll die. Same thing with you. When you feed sinful desires, they will grow. Psalm 119, verse 9 through 11. Just look at this real quick. Here's what it says. How can a person stay pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word. I memorized this when I was a kid. I have hidden your word in my heart that I 
might not sin against you. What? What's that mean? It means when you hide his word in your heart, when you do it, not when I do it for you, when you do it for you, then you're less likely to stumble into sin. You are less likely, doesn't mean it can't happen, but it means your odds of messing up in your life go way down. See, there's something that happens when I get so full of God, when the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the fellowship of God's people, when I make church a priority, when I make the things of God a priority in my life, and more than just once a week, when I start having more and more of my week focused on the great God and and Savior Jesus Christ when I make him supreme in my life and the spirit of God flows through me and through his word as I walk through my daily life all of a sudden there's not enough room for the temptation to come in see Just, just real quick let me illustrate this I used to love Big Macs. Who may be with me on that? Two all beef patties, best sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun, right? But then, in, in more recent years, I get irritated when my cheese is melted, not melted on my sandwich. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. And, and I'm like, well, why can't the burger be hot enough to melt the cheese? Well, then one day I'm watching. And I see them get my burger out of a drawer. Sure enough, I watch them get a burger out of a drawer in the back, in the, in the kitchen area. It's not off the griddle. It's coming off, a, off out of a drawer. And they take it out of the drawer and put it on the... I said, there it is. There's the reason my cheese is cold. The burger's cold. It's not coming hot off the grill. And, and so all of a sudden, I don't, I don't crave Big Mac like I used to. See, all of a sudden, I, I see something that caused me not to be as endeared toward it as what I used to be. And see, James says, if you'd really see where your sin's going to go, If you'd really see where, oh, I can just go over that website and it's no big deal. Oh, I can just have one more and it's no big deal. Oh, I can just look one more time and it's no big deal. Oh, we could just go to lunch just as friends one more time at work and it's no big deal. And James says it is a deal. It's a big deal because here's where it's going. And you need to wake up and smell the coffee, so to speak. You need to wake up and realize of where it's headed. And here's what God has said. There is no temptation taken you, but what is common to man. All right? It's common to man. You know, some people think, oh, the devil's just after me. Okay, let's get real about that for a moment. All right? Do you think? That the devil, who can only be at one spot at one time, do you think that when he looks over the earth, that he looks at you and your worldwide influence for Jesus 
He, he looks at you and says, oh my gosh, here's the big dog. You know, here, here's the one we need to take down. And, and do you think he looks at you and says, let's just focus this week on this one person in Avon, Indiana, because I'm just telling you, they're, they're just so awesome. You know, they're just so awesome that we got to knock them out. Do you really think that's it? Or do you think maybe because you wander off, because you fail to get to church, because you fail to pick up the Bible, because you fail to make worship in your car on your way to work and set a tone and an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit of God can work in your life? Do you think it's because of what maybe you're doing in your life that you're pulled away? You think maybe that might be what it is? So here's the thing, folks, is you feed the Spirit and you starve the flesh and you can win. You can win because God has made. He's promised. He's guaranteed. He said it. That settles it. He says, I have made a way of escape so that you don't have to succumb to it. You don't have to be bound anymore. You can lay that habit down today. It does not own you. It does not define you as a child of the living God. God has made a way out for you and as of today you can be free by God's mighty power and I believe it for you today let's pray father I thank you that there is freedom in you and God I pray a spirit of freedom in this place right now maybe you're here this morning you say Craig Man, uh, there's times when the, I feel like the enemy's coming in and, and, and all, but maybe the reality is I'm giving him a little too much ammunition in my life, and there, there's times when I'm not as faithful as I need to be, and there's times when I'm not doing all I could do, and so I don't want that to be the case. I don't want the enemy to have any ammunition in my family, in my household, in my life. I don't want him in my mind. I don't want him in my heart. I don't want him in my house. I don't want him anywhere near me. I resist him in Jesus' name today. I want to walk in total freedom. If that's your desire, will you just raise your hand up and say, yes, that's my desire today, to walk in freedom with Christ. Father, you see every hand that's raised. I thank you that there is freedom in you. I thank you there is victory in you. I thank you that today we can be free. Maybe you're here today, others of you. Well, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. That you say, well, Craig, I thought maybe if I became a Christian, I'd never have a battle. It'd all go well. That there'd never be any temptations or anything in my life. And, and I know I've got weak areas in my life. But, but I need a greater power. I need a higher power. And if that's what God is, and that's what coming to God is, it's not that I won't have temptation, but that He'll make a way of escape that he'll help me, that he'll strengthen me. And listen, friend, he's already done all he could do to take your sin upon himself. 
and die for it on the cross. If he did that, he'll do anything in your life to help you walk in freedom today. And if you'd like to accept him as Lord and Savior of your life here today, would you raise your hand and say, yes, I need that here today. Yes, I see that hand. I see that hand, that hand up there. God bless you. Anyone else? All right, God bless you. All right, several hands around the room. Let's pray this prayer. Maybe everybody pray it together. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. I know I've sinned. I've messed up a lot of times. But today I want to start over. So please wash away my past. Free me of my guilt. Enable me to live for you through the power of your Spirit. As much as I know how, I surrender all to you. Thank you for accepting me as a child of God today. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, let's welcome those who prayed that prayer.